It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Coming up on today's episode of Locked On Washington Football Team podcast, more problems for Dan Snyder. The Washington football team brings back a familiar name. And Rick Snyder at Sam Huff's funeral. You are Locked On Washington Football Team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. But this is the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast. Good to have you with us on a crazy, crazy news week, as always, and always seemingly following a loss. I'm Chris Russell, flying solo. Thank you for making uh, LOWFT your first listen uh, of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. This episode is sponsored by Stance Apparel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. All right, let's get to it because we have so much to get to. Rick Snyder will be joining us from Rick Snyder's Washington, longtime veteran beat writer, uh, and has done a million different jobs. He was at Sam Huff's memorial service on Monday, visited the grave of former Washington Redskins owner Jack Ken Cook. He'll tell stories about those two gentlemen and also offer his insight on the current football team. Before we get there, the Washington football team bringing back Nate Orchard, who was with them in both 2019 and 2020, pass rusher, edge defender. Also, two more players on the COVID-19 list, and that is cornerback Kendall Fuller and defensive tackle Tim Settle. They've reactivated Daryl Roberts from the COVID-19 list, so the number, we believe, we think, as of now, stands at nine. As they head to Philadelphia this Sunday. Also, Dan Snyder, once again, back in the headlines, a new Washington Post article by Liz Clark and by Will Hobson detailing efforts and attempts by Dan Snyder to interfere, obstruct, get in the way, intimidate, harass, basically, through intermediaries, lawyers, uh, friends of his, Beth Wilkinson's attempt to interview people as part of the workplace investigation, uh, and, of course, former employees that have been involved in this particular case. Listen, it's ugly, it's sordid, it's always something with Dan Snyder. It's never going to change. Maybe he's made some small changes. Maybe he truly is a little bit different than what he's always been. Uh, but there always is going to be, there is always going to be some sort of drama with him. Let's get to the first part of Rick Snyder, who spent Monday honoring and remembering the life and legacy of the great Sam Huff, and also at the gravesite of Jack Kent Cook, the owner who ultimately built FedEx Field, and upon his death, uh, his trust, his estate, is how Dan Snyder got control of the football team. Mr. Snyder, I appreciate you as always. Uh, how are you, sir? Happy holidays. 
Thanks. Yeah, you too. It, it's been interesting. You know, this has been another interesting season, if nothing else. I mean, maybe not a great season. It's been so long since the great ones, I forget them. But, uh, you know, we're still having fun watching what happens. I mean, at least they're relevant. That's what I would say. We'll get to the football team in just a couple of minutes. But you had a unique opportunity on Monday, and I was sorry that I had to uh, miss this. Uh, first, the memorial service for the legendary Sam Huff you know, who you uh, knew very well. Obviously, I got to work around for a couple of years and had some great stories to tell and, you know, all that. And, and again, I'm sorry I missed it. Uh, but you were there in Middleburg, Virginia. And uh, I just wanted you to kind of share some of your memories and some of your favorite things uh, about Sam and, and, and I guess getting some closure on, you know, his life and legacy on Monday. Thanks. You know, Sam, I did know Sam pretty well, and I admired Sam because he was a man who, much like my own father, about the same age, uh, you know, they knew to work hard, know nothing would be given to you, uh, didn't take, didn't tolerate any whining or anything, you know, these were men's men. And they got, Sam got everything out of life that you could get, I think, you know, between everything he did. He wasn't just a great ball player. But, you know, he was a great executive off the field. He was very successful at Marriott. They all came to his uh, memorial service. He was he's a guy that basically saved West Virginia horse racing by coming up with some breeder programs, uh, or else they probably would be gone. Those guys came to remember him. Football came, people came to remember him. Had about 150 people come and tell different sides of the stories. Sam was, you know, a funny guy, believe it or not. Most people think of him as a violent world of Sam Huff. But, like, he'd come over to you on the sideline and go, hey, Rick, you're looking good, man. What are you up to, 290, 300? Son of a bitch. I mean, you know, but you couldn't curse back at Sam because, you know, you didn't want that part of Sam to come out. I, I saw the mean part of Sam. Right. Uh, and, you know, you don't want any part of that. Yeah. But uh, was just a guy who helped everybody. He was a very simple guy. You know, I was telling one time we were in Frostburg training camp, and I'm walking back from the cafeteria to go right in my dorm till the afternoon practice. There's Sam laying on the ground in, in the grass with eyes closed. And I thought, oh, God, he's probably had a heart attack or something. We all run over. I run over to get him. He goes, Sam, Sam, are you okay? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, what are you doing laying on the ground? He goes, I was taking a nap. I'm like, on the ground? He goes, well, I didn't have anywhere else to go. And I was like, come with me to the dorm. But he was a coal miner, and that's the simple part of him in there is he'd do stuff like that. You know, he – he loved horse racing. I once went to his farm. I was there a few times. He had the tallest horse I ever saw in my life among thoroughbreds. This was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Unfortunately, he couldn't he couldn't score. I mean, he was so tall. I, I had to duck his head down to get him in that stall. And say, this guy's going to be great. He couldn't run a lick. You know, but, you know so Sam had some humility there. But he had a very widespread life. But. Um, I mean, as far as the Redskins go, you know, he would watch practice as a broadcaster. And I guess he was in his 50s at the time this happened. And he would watch offensive linemen a lot just and think, could I beat this guy? Not 20 years ago. Could I beat this guy right now? Right. So one day, Rigo comes up to him after practice in the parking lot in the old Redskin Park. and says, why are you staring at me so much? And uh, Rigo could be a pretty intense guy, too. Yeah. Yeah. And before Sam said anything, Rigo goes, you think you can tackle me, don't you? And Sam right back at him goes, damn right I can tackle you. And they're going to do it now in the parking lot until it got separated out. And Sam was, I don't know, 50-something at the time. 
You know, you weren't backing him up. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they would have gone at it if they hadn't stopped. That was just Sam. I mean, I could tell a million stories about Sam, but I admired the man greatly uh, on so much because there was no compromise in him. Very strong guy um, who did it all through the hardest of work. And I didn't know this story till till I heard it at the funeral memorial. The only reason he ended up uh, retiring after 1969 is he was literally knocked out ten times that season. Now, they didn't have concussion stuff back then. Um, you know, I played uh, just regular ball in the 70s. I got knocked out a couple of times. I didn't even miss a play. They didn't do that kind of stuff back then. But Sam got knocked out ten times in one season. Give him the smelling salts, put him back in the game. And they finally convinced him, maybe it's time to retire. And that did really haunt him at the end because I knew Sam, like, we'd have lunch. This was in the 90s. He would grab his head in pain, just sitting there out of nowhere. And he said the spite was like lightning went through him, hmm. you know, from those violent concussions that he had always been in. But Sam was always just a guy that said, man up, go play hard, fight hard, and nobody's going to defeat him that way. Yeah, Sam was a man's man from what I knew of him, spending a couple of years on the broadcast team with him and, you know, many road trips and breakfasts and you know, hotel coffee shops and all of that stuff. He was a linebacker's linebacker. You know, he didn't love today's linebacker. He didn't love today's NFL. And this is, you know, I'm talking about earlier this decade, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013. So I can't imagine what he would have thought in his final years um, <clears throat> about today's NFL, which is more about fancy and celebrations and me, me, me. Uh, one real quick thing that I wanted to ask you about, why do you think he – well, he hated Ali Sherman for trading him from the Giants to the Washington then Redskins. Why do you think he never really got over that, considering how much, I guess, success ultimately his career turned out to be on and off the field in Washington? Meaning, it's not like – I know his playing career never was really the same, but – his life, his legacy, I think, grew immensely. And you touched on that West Virginia horse racing, Marriott, Washington Redskins, Frank, Sonny, Sam, all of that. The biggest reason, last time I really had a long talk with Sam for a book a few years ago, he gave me that answer. He was still mad at Allie Sherman, who I think died last year. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said that he explained the story to me. He hears he's going to be traded. He goes to Allie Sherman at at the facility and says, might be in trade. Now he says, you have nothing to worry about. Go eat lunch. I'll see you back for meetings later. He goes to eat lunch. His friends are telling him, you're being traded. He goes, no, no. I, I just talked to Allie Sherman. He said, no. He said, I'm telling you, you've been traded. He goes back to the facility and Allie Sherman says, yes, we traded you. This is all in the space of under an hour. Mm -hmm. So he thought that Allie lied to him and he never forgave him. They played a game two years later where they're up. 68 to 42 or 43 or whatever. And Sam calls timeout with a few right. seconds to go. And years later, when he's telling me this story again a few years ago, this is uh, 50 years later, he's still with the same attitude. He goes, I told him we have a professional kicker who needs practice, and this is a game situation for him to practice. And they want 71. And the field goal. Right. <laughs> yes. You didn't, you didn't double-cross Sam Huff. No. I, I mean, that was one guy you didn't bleep with. Even in his older age, he was still um, feisty and combative, right? You know, yeah. 
Uh, and, 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 you know, obviously we all miss him, and I'm glad you got to go and pay uh, tribute and, and honor him because I know you guys were close. Um, one other thing you got to do while you were in Middleburg, Middleburg Virginia, uh, that you showed at Rick Snyder's Washington, which people can watch on YouTube, uh, people can watch on Twitter as well. Again, go to Rick Snyder's Washington, is Jack Kent Cook, the – uh, obviously long deceased now owner uh, before Dan Snyder of the Washington football team slash Washington Redskins and the man who built FedEx field and so on and so forth. Um, I found, you, you know, you've told me this before, but the video you put to it was so fascinating. Can you explain, I guess, like what you, uh, what you knew, obviously what you discovered and, and, and how simplistic, if you will, the site is. Yeah. So he's buried at this, 12th century like French chapel. Uh, it's about eight miles from north of Upper, uh, and called Upperville. And it's just this little place that the Mellon family, the rich Mellon family built to resemble a 12th century. But I remember covering the funeral in 97. Big deal. We're across the street. We're not allowed near the church, all this stuff. Uh, and it was a big deal. I remember Jerry Jones even came out to Park Life, talked to us about it and all that. You know, they were burying. So we didn't get to see it. A few years, uh, about 2013, I went by the church again just to see the marker. I'd never seen it. And the groundskeeper showed me it. It's very simple. As soon as you walk in, he's right there. Now, you think Cook's Cook's going to have like a pyramid or something there, you know. It's just a regular old bronze marker, you know, flat bronze like you see in many a cemetery. Just says Jack Kent Cook in the years he's born and died. And that's it. That's it. And you're like, wow. You know, the person next to him was one of the Iranian hostages in the embassy back in 79-80. She was there. She was died later in an accident. And he's also buried about 100, 200 feet from Paul Mellon. And the fascinating part of that, Paul Mellon hated Jack Kent Cook and vice versa. And they were next-door neighbors in Middleburg. Hmm. And Mellon's, Mellon was old money. Mellon banks, Mellon oil, big deal. Right. And he considered Jack Kent Cook New money trash. Because I talked to Mellon about this. Because Mellon won the Kentucky Derby with a nothing horse named Sea Hero. And I said, you live next door to Jack and Cook. He said, no, I don't. Your boundaries are next to each other. No, 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 and we're not neighbors. And he considered him new money, hated him. And Cook, of course, hated Mellon because he won a derby and he was an old money snob. I mean, at the end of the day, Cook made his money. Mellon inherited his. You think these bitter rivals are buried 100 or 200 feet apart. Well, how did, right. All right, one quick follow-up. How does that happen? Do you know? I'm not sure. Mellon, you know, built the church and everything. Right. So, and the Mellon family was there for many generations. His father was Andrew Mellon, who started the, the uh, Smithsonian uh, Museum of Art, basically, donated 100,000 pieces. That's how rich they were. Hmm. So they're already there. So I, I don't know how why he didn't block Cook, because I don't know that Cook went to church there, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, the melons, you know, melons weren't moving. So, you know, Jack is there. It's just you walk in. It's a simple bronze plaque. And, you know, Cook, in the end, donated all of his money to uh, a foundation for college scholarships. And it used to be just grad schools. But under the rules, you have to give away 5% of your money. It was so much money from the teen sale that now they have undergrads. So if you're out there with a kid wanting to go to college, check out the Jack Kent Cook Foundation. They're looking at giveaway money, believe it or not. All right, that is part one of my conversation with Rick Snyder on 
the great Sam Huff, and we will have more coming up in the show. Uh, Rick will be weighing in on the current team and the current status. Taylor Heineke, what might happen in Philadelphia, COVID, and more. That's all coming up next right here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. We're brought to you by On Location. I'm Chris Russell. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium is less than 100 days away and on location. The official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star L.A. hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit On Location, EX. P.com slash SB56. For more information or search Super Bowl on location, that's on location, exp.com slash SB56. Or again, search Super Bowl on location. And as we told you about in the beginning of the show, this portion of the Locked On Washington football team podcast brought to you by Stance Apparel. Who's Stance Apparel? Well, good question. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel with a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. I have some stance on the way. I can't wait to check it all out. What about you? It's Christmas season. Get yourself some. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. That those who feel good do good. So go see for yourself. Register for an account right now at stance.com and get 15% off, like I did, on your first purchase. Use the promo code Locked On at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. All right, now part two of my conversation with Rick Snyder, Rick Snyder's Washington, as we get into the actual football team on the field, but still a little bit off the field because of who they might not have. You were there from the start. You've been to a million games. Uh, you've, you've spent you know, a lot, probably way too many days in your professional career uh, at FedEx Field, which, uh, again, was formerly known to be uh, in Ral John, Maryland, uh, you know, of course, named after the combination of Jack Ken Cook's son's names. And, of course, it's not anymore. But the point being is you spent a lot of days there. You've seen a lot of bizarre things. Was Sunday bizarre or just expected and just sad? How would you describe what you witnessed in terms of the crowd and uh, and where the the state of decay is? It was disappointing on a few levels. I mean, I've seen them down 18-0 in the first quarter before. But, um, you know, I thought it would be maybe a 50-50 crowd because all I heard all week was the fans are stepping up and the team's getting people there and yada, yada. And I'd say it was 75, 70%, maybe 65% Cowboys fans. I mean, they own the place. And since they were up 18-0 early, you know, they're going to own the place at that point. I was just surprised Washington. But then again, Washingtonians have checked out on Dan Snyder. They're tired of all this nonsense. And so they're not buying tickets, you know. So I'm not surprised, I guess, in the end that the Cowboys were the dominant team. 
Love them bringing the bench. I wonder, I think Dan Snyder will bring a Redskins bench or a Washington football team bench down to Dallas. I bet money on that, you know, and I'll laugh the whole time if they do it. Um, you know, what, the players are sitting on a cold bench? Oh, no, it's like 45 degrees. They're going to die. What is going on with players anymore? You know, but you know, I was a little surprised that they played that poorly early. They rallied a little bit, but it was kind of like empty calories, I call it, that, that they came back on. You know, so I'm not surprised. And now they really, I don't know if they make the playoffs, honestly. you got to win probably three or four, maybe two or four. Got to beat Philly this week because or else, no, it's not happening. I mean, three or four should get you in with conference and divisional tiebreakers and all that and head-to-head tiebreakers. Should. Two or four, I, I think, is very, 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 very sketchy, and I agree with you. This is a must-win game. And that brings us to this next step. We're dealing, and we, as we record this, it's Tuesday afternoon, so what we know is right now there's nine players, including Jonathan Allen, uh, on the reserve COVID-19 list. And that doesn't include, by the way, Montez Sweat, uh, because he was on IR or whatever the deal is uh, with that. So they could very well go into this game on Sunday in Philly off of a, a Philly's off of a bye, so they're plenty rested. They're six and seven. They need this game desperately as well. And they could go into it without Montez Sweat, without Jonathan Allen, without a host of others in terms of defensive ends. And we don't even know who might also still test positive or still enter protocol because as we know about COVID, and I'm not trying to be too political, once one person gets it, everyone in close contact is certainly at risk, if not in harm's way. Yeah, this is the nightmare scenario of COVID that they just wanted to avoid. And last year's team did so well with this. And this year, I guess like a lot of us, you're just getting tired of all this. You just want to be over and you, you're relaxing and boom, here it is. I mean, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, you're down. You don't really have any defensive ends. You could kick out some of the linemen. I would have said you could kick Allen outside, but now I don't know that he's playing. You know, your interior, you could hold on your exterior. The backups, backups are now playing. You know, it's down. And offensively, what are they down to on centers? You know, they had to sign another guy for another team now. It, they're really weak in these spots. And, of course, Taylor Heineke's situation, they ride and die with Taylor. Let's be honest. You know, and he, he died with them the other day. Now he's got a couple of injury areas. He's got a line that's not protecting him as well. I didn't like the game plan that they called at all. You've got to get that ball out quick, which is not Taylor's real forte. You, you know, to beat these pass rushes that are going to be coming at them, you got one, two, three, go. I mean, it's got to be fast and out. And they, they don't seem to be doing any of that. And it just kind of snowballed against Dallas. They could regroup, but being shorthanded like they are, man, it's going to be a tough way to finish. Um, I thought they threw a decent amount of screens on Sunday to try and get the ball out. I I think it's quite honestly, I, a lot of fans uh, criticize Scott Turner. I, I think it's the quarterback. I mean, I think the quarterback does not see, anticipate, and have good timing too often. Is that fair or is that unfair? Uh, It's right often. He doesn't seem to be able to find Curtis Samuel on the field very well. You know, and there's the guy that they desperately are going to need Sunday. But, you know, the play Terry McLaurin got hurt on, Samuel's open in the middle. But somehow, Heineke doesn't seem to see him. And I'm not sure. Maybe he's in the middle too much, and Heineke's a little shorter. So maybe, 
He's not seeing that as much. and He's not as mobile as he was a little while ago. That's what he's, that's one of the things he's got to do. When you're throwing, I think, five receptions by Adam Humphreys, who are light, but that's a possession guy, you know, that's too much to somebody like him. But they, they're looking at you know, Terry's been neutralized, so Samuel's got to be the guy that they figure out how to throw to, uh, and whoever's quarterback. And we, we'll know a little more Wednesday, Thursday, see who's out there uh, on that. But they've got to be able to do those kind of things. They haven't been able to run effectively uh, on that. And Gibson had another big turnover. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's kind of an all-hands-on-deck situation. Everybody better start balling. What would you do with Antonio Gibson in terms of the fumbling issue? I mean, they've already benched him once. Uh, they, they, they used him in, in spottily, I guess it would be the best word, after the fumble on Sunday. But yet he's talented and he's tough and he's good in between the tackles. What would you do? I called Tiki Barber up and said, can you come to practice Wednesday and show, uh, Antonio how you stop fumbling? Right. I mean, he's, He's all the things you've said, and if it weren't for the fumbles, and they've been key fumbles this year, I'd be pretty happy with them overall. I still think that, that he's not the running back of the future. Um, I don't think that's his forte, really. Uh, but right now, that's what they have to do. And I don't know if they can go get another one next year or not. Uh, but I would just – you just got to work on the drills. And after his last key fumble, he did well for three games or so. So maybe he can refocus again on these things, but, I mean, he is who he is. He's a decent runner. Uh, he's not a great runner. Do you think we'll see Kyle Allen at some point on Sunday? Yes. I mean, I don't know if he's starting, but if things are going poorly, I think you make the change, especially if Taylor's not feeling well. You know, he says his elbow's bothering him, his knee is bothering him. Okay, see what, you know, if it gets out of hand early, you want to make a change, in my opinion. I know they want to ride or die with Taylor. He's a good inspirational leader on this team. He's not afraid to make a fourth quarter run at people. He does a lot of things okay. Um, but you're, you're in the short-term thinking right now, what's best for right now. And not that Kyle Allen is the savior, but he might be the better choice for right now. All right, once again, that is part two of my conversation with Rick Snyder. More to come as we wrap up the Locked On Washington football team podcast. Uh, David Harrison will return with a crossover edition later this week. Good to have you aboard with us. We're brought to you also by Built Bar. That's right, Built Bar. You know, I tell you about them all the time. If you want something delicious and healthy, high in protein, low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, soft, easy to chew, covered in 100% chocolate, and so many delicious flavors, you're going to want a Built Bar. That's right. Go to Built.com to get more information on all the different packages, varieties, all the different nutrients uh, and calories and information like that. Because what you want at this time of the year is something that is good, but good for you. It's the season of peace and love. Don't bring up your favorite Built Bar at a family party. Bring your box of Built Bars to a family party. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they'll fight for it. Things could get out of hand. But if you have something for everyone, you'll be cool. So go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we wrap up the Locked On Washington football team podcast with more from my pal Rick Snyder, who's covered the Washington Redskins slash football team for many, 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 many years. And again, earlier told us about the life and legacy of Sam Huff and of Jack Kent Cook. Do you think the defensive turnaround really starting Green Bay and Denver before the bye and then, of course, the four-game winning streak and even on Sunday versus the Cowboys? So now a sample size of seven games. Do you think that is because they are more structured and more disciplined without guys like Chase Young and Montez Sweat? Yeah, I was just reading a story about that. Really insightful. Um, and more Path Magazine coming out soon. Uh, that's a good publication that I hear. More Path Magazine. Subscribe now, people. Yeah, they don't pay writers worth anything, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's, I think they have had a good stretch. I suppose a little surprised that they didn't play better against Dallas. I thought they kind of fixed some things, but I think we're overestimating the depth and, and now we're down to to third stringers out there. So, right. uh, you know, the back four have played very well, um, more so than I would have guessed. I think they all kind of realized when the ends went out a few weeks ago, it's every man's got to buck up and be his own man. No more relying on that front line, hopefully doing something, which they didn't. Um, and so I think, you know, with Jackson's gotten better, maybe a better feel, uh, all that. You know, I think Cole Holcomb has been a pretty decent player. You know, Jamin Davis, I don't know why people say, oh, he played so well. He played so well, he missed like five, six tackles. You know, outside of the, you know, the ending, how would you like to play, Mrs. Booth? I mean, that's just one of those crazy things to say. He's just been a disappointment. You look at Micah Parsons, which I was really hoping Washington was going to get, but Dallas is smart enough to get him in the draft first. I mean, that dude's a baller. That's what you want in your first-round linebacker. Uh, and they, they just haven't. But I, they're getting better, just like last season. And I know the coaches have gone, well, they're finally starting to get everything. And that's nice, coach, but, you know, you can't burn half a season <laughs> trying to teach people things. That's what April, May, June are for. Uh, I think they've, they've failed in that respect two years in a row. Uh, that's a good point. The only thing that I would defend this coaching staff by saying, well, last April, May, and June, they didn't have really an opportunity because of COVID uh, and because of no OTAs. And this one, you know, when you get guys that are only voluntarily there and they're very limited in terms of what you can be on the field for and how long and how many sessions, I really think the NFLPA has severely hurt coaching staff's ability to implement a lot of this stuff, to your point, before training camp. And then even at training camp, you know, you're somewhat limited because you're trying to preserve guys and you're trying to keep guys fresh so that they can last ideally the whole season. Rick Snyder, Rick Snyder's Washington Warpath Magazine as well. Uh, he is the uh, Grand Poobah over there, uh, the editor-in-chief extraordinaire. Um, one last thing, and then we'll let you run. We appreciate you. Um, so Rivera and Del Rio and Scott Turner and basically 
the football operations, coaching, management side of this organization. I know you're big on grades right after a game. If you had to give them a grade after a year and three quarters, where are you at? As an organization, um, C plus, maybe yeah, C plus. Was well, is that including Jason Wright and all that, or, or are you just talking about football operations? Uh, uh, I saw overall um, with Jason Wright and all that mm-hmm. football operations. I give him a B, uh, I guess. But you know, I got to win games to get an A. Yeah, he might be a little extra. I might be going C plus there. And then, you know, operations of the other side, well, there's been their scandal, so yeah. I'll give them an A. But you know what's interesting, though, real quickly, is, I, I mean, you're right about you have to win games. And, and seven wins or whatever last year is is not enough games, is not enough wins. But what's interesting, with four games left, they're, they're only one away from tying that, and there's a very reasonable chance they get to eight, maybe even nine, as we kind of discussed. So if they got to eight and if they got to nine, or if they got to nine, and certainly if they made the playoffs the second year in a row, you would say you would have no choice but to say, hey, look, it's a modest improvement, but it's an improvement, right? And we're heading in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, I give them a B at that point. Mm-hmm. I think they're in the best setting they've been in years um, because they every time they've been to the playoffs, they've taken step backs. They've been able to ride that wave up to just okay and then falling down. I think they're a little more sustainable here, uh, and the culture is better, as we hate to say that word around here anymore, but culture's better. I think they're going to be a decent team. Now, can they be a great team? I don't know. Not right now, they're not. Um, that's the hardest part I ask coaches. What's the harder job? They had the good, good to great. And they always say good to great is the much harder job. I agree. I agree. Hey, that's facing here. I agree. All right, so fans can find you. Warpath Magazine by subscription. Um, Rick Snyder's Washington, right? Uh, yeah. and, and, and on Twitter and on YouTube. And also as part of Odyssey and writing for 1067thefan.com uh, uh, and, and the team980.com and all that good stuff in between, right? And just simply look you up and, and more importantly, subscribe on YouTube, right, for Rick Snyder's Washington. Yeah, it's all free. We had three and a half million viewers the first year of this show. Surprised me. They'd probably do five million this year. There's a lot of different content that you don't see anywhere else. They're only two minutes because no one has an attention span. And I, and then I'd have to really think of something to talk longer, but most of them are two minutes. So it's something different, you know, for people and it's free. I make money. Watch the ad in the beginning. Don't put exactly. that. Exactly. All right, and that's going to do it on this edition of the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast. Thanks, as always, for being with us. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Bets Podcast, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. That's going to do it for us. Again, David Harrison back on the next episode with a crossover Thursday edition as we get you set for the Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles, two six and seven teams clashing in Philly on Sunday afternoon. I'm Chris Russell. You can hear more from me with Pete Medhurst Monday through Friday, 3 to 7, on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app, the official Washington football team flagship radio station in the Washington, D.C. area. Thanks for being with us, Washington football fans, right here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.